welcome back. Just a couple reminders before we get started. The Fab Four Fundamentals course sale will happen over 4th of July weekend. And if you join over the sale, you'll be added to private Zoom calls with me with an extra five hours of content where you can ask any questions you may have in regards to the Fab Four. Second, my protein powder, the Be Well by Kelly Levesque protein, um, a grass-fed beef isolate, uh, which comes with all of your essential amino acids along with naturally occurring collagen amino acids, is going to be available in less than a week. I have been working on this product for over a year and have always had the idea that I would launch the cleanest, most comprehensive protein powder on the market. This is a grass-fed beef isolate with organic cacao or organic vanilla powder and organic monk fruit. Um, My grass-fed beef isolate protein is from a grass-fed farm in Sweden. And I'm just really proud of the product, uh, the lack of fillers, the minimalistic approach. It's what I was always looking for in a protein powder. And I'm just so excited to bring it to market. It will be available on Amazon. um, And I'll eventually move to selling it on my website. But trying to get it into your hands as quick as possible so that you guys can make those delicious... Um, essential amino acid, collagen amino acid filled smoothies for your satiety. So um, really excited about that. So wanted to let you guys know. All right. Today's guest is Gobby Dalkin of What's Gobby Cooking. She's a trained chef, a recipe developer, an entrepreneur. She has multiple cookbooks and her latest cookbook, Eat What You Want, will have you drooling. She's also really down to earth, a lot of fun, and someone I've learned from uh, over the past few years following her online. Personally, I'm a home cook. I wouldn't consider myself a trained chef, um, but people like Gabi really helped me elevate my cooking in the kitchen. So it's been really exciting and, and fun for me to bring on some of my favorite chefs. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming one of the most fun people to the show, Gabi. Welcome to the show. I'm so, so, so excited to have you. I think you're just a breath of fresh air on Instagram. You're so down to earth. You're so real. And you make like really fancy dishes seem super easy. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see you like another human on Zoom. Like it's that I actually want to see it. It's so fun. (laughs) I know. When I used to do these, when I could meet people and do it in studio in real life, in studio, meaning my LA apartment. Whenever I did the Zoom, I didn't do video, but I feel like I connect so much better when I can see someone's face, especially now I'm like craving it. So I know it's crazy. (laughs) Um, Well, I want to know your whole story, starting with like the beginning. Like, when did you fall in love with cooking, and you know how did how did you get started? Yeah, so I fell. So I grew up in a very picky household. Not even picky. My mom is a very picky eater. Like the woman doesn't. She loves vegetables. She loves pasta, all that kind of stuff. But she doesn't like protein. Like she's not going to eat chicken or fish or meat. She hates mushrooms. So like we were a pasta and like green bean family growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started watching Food Network in high school, and I was obsessed with Rachel Ray. Like I could do her intro to Thirty Minute Meals. I mean, I still can verbatim. <laughs> it was like, hey, everyone, in the time it'll take you to watch your show, I'll have made a complete healthy meal from start to finish. And I was just like dying for her. So I would watch her and Tyler Florence 
and the occasional Ina, who's like the queen. And I started just becoming obsessed with watching these people cook. And I wasn't cooking myself at the time, but I became interested in it. So when I went to college, I quickly gained the freshman 15 or 20 in my case. And after my freshman year, when I had an apartment with the kitchen, I started cooking. Like I, I figured out how to saute vegetables and stuff like that. So I slowly dipped my foot into the pond. <laughs> so where did you where did you grow up and where did you go to college? I grew up in Arizona in Tucson. Um, and I was there until I was 17. And then I went to school up in the Bay Area at St. Mary's College, it, which is in Moraga, like this little uh, suburb outside of Berkeley in Walnut Creek. And did you, did you go to Xavier? No, for high school. High school? Yeah. No, I went to Foothills. Xavier, okay. where is it? Did you? No, but I just went to Santa Margarita. So I had a bunch of friends. Like I just uh, met people in college that had gone. And isn't that in Tucson? Xavier's in Scottsdale, I think, but they were our biggest competitors in tennis. Okay. And it was, I mean, it was always a good match when you played them. But wait, no, was Xavier the men's school or the women's school? I don't know. Or I both? Thought, I thought it was Whatever. Like yeah. Whatever. Um, so I forgot where I was going with that story. So you grew up in Tucson and then you went to St. Mary's. Oh, yeah. And then you got your own apartment. Were you in the city in San Francisco or where were you? No, I was still in the Bay. I was still in the East Bay and I was on the tennis team. Like I, I played tennis for the first three years of college and I would cook every night before a match. And I only knew how to make chicken parm at that time, but I would cook like big things of chicken parm and all the pasta because like we were carbo loading and all that kind of stuff. And it was also the only thing I was comfortable making. And I just like fell in love with having people around my table. Like I loved feeding them. I loved the conversations that came from that. I loved like that we had this team building experience before we went out and played the next day. So that's kind of when I got really into food. And also to my point earlier, I was, I had got home from college my freshman year. My mom, who's like legit an Olympic swimmer was like, what, what happened? <laughs> you ate. And I was like, mom, there's this thing called late night. And that's from a meal from 9 PM to 11 PM. And I, and I went every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, hmm. So I started making myself much healthier meals when I had control again, over what I could put in my body. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So did you ultimately end up getting in, going to culinary school or were you like, where did it go from yeah. there? Yeah. So after college, I moved to Los Angeles and I got a job in the like kind of fashion marketing adjacent world. Like I was working at a startup and for the first six months after college, I was there and I was fine. Like it was cool, but it was a small company in 2000, it was in 2008 and eventually it folded. And so instead of going to find another job, I said, I'm going to take some of the money I've saved up babysitting in college and go to culinary school. So I enrolled in culinary school it was like this condensed six month program that gave me the same degree as going to like a Cordon Bleu or something like that, but way cheaper and faster. Mm. And I interviewed to be a, a nanny for a family in Malibu the same week it started. And they found out I was going to culinary school and said, well, can you just be our chef instead? And at this point I couldn't cook fish, didn't know how to make meat, would, had never tried a mushroom before. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I appreciate it. So I started working as their private chef. I started culinary school and I started watch Gabby cooking all within like a 10 day period. Wow. So that (laughs) you started a blog early. Yeah. And for the first like four years, it was 
a, it was like, the, it was a blog, like it was a diary, like it was ugly and the photo sucked. And I don't even know what I, like, if you go back and look at old posts, I don't even know if you can dig them up anymore. Like, I don't know what was coming out of my mouth. Like it was just <laughs> not cohesive, but it was just like my way of sharing with my family that I was learning how to cook all these things, or I learned how to cook fish or I like mushrooms now or whatever it was. So it was very much just a hobby. The blog was a hobby for the first couple of years. Wow, that's crazy. So how long were you the chef for the family in Malibu? So I was a chef for them in Malibu for two and a half years. And then I got swooped and I went to go cook for Jessica Simpson for about another year and a half. And at that time, I had started my blog started to pick up steam. And my first book, Absolutely Avocados, was about to come out. And when Jess was going back to film a show and my book was about to come out, that's when I made the decision to walk away from private chefing entirely. And like, fingers crossed, jump in and see if I could do what's got cooking full time. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about like the cadence of the blog at that time, knowing that you weren't going to be a private chef? Like, how were you putting out content and how often and like, what was day in the life of you looking like back then? Yeah. So when I, so the blog content would roll out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and the recipes I was posting were recipes I would be making at Jess's house or at, previous when I was at in Malibu at their house. Um, and I would just cook, shoot something like point and shoot flash ugly in the kitchen right before I put it on the table. And then I would go home and write the recipe and edit it and post it the next day. So it was like, it was the day was funny. I would like wake up in the morning, go to Barry's boot camp, go cook at Jess's for a couple hours, come home and like moonlight on the blog and write until like 9, 10 PM editing go to bed, wake up and do it every day. So it was like a grind. And I slowly had started to be making an income from the blog, like through ads and like little sponsored posts here and there. I remember I got a sponsored post for a freezer or frozen French fry company. And I took it and I was like, oh my God, I should not have taken that. Like it was for $150 or something like that. And it's not it's not on brand for me and I don't, it, whatever, I just shouldn't have taken it. And, but I got paid. And so as I started to make that money, I just took the sponsored post. I realized it wasn't what I was, should be doing. So then I was more careful about what I took in as far as work goes. But at the same time, I was actually making money on the blog. So that's why I could walk away from private chefing. That was a very long answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I think a lot of people have no idea how blogs work. And I'll tell you, like, when I, I think I'm a little bit more of an accidental influencer. Like I was just, I still see clients, you know, and now people are like, well, you're going to share that on your blog. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing with the blog? And like, then you kind of start to understand brand partnerships and how that can support you to kind of be creative and create what you love and put these recipes out into the world, you know? So it, it's, it's very important to like a creative's life. What are some of the favorite, your like favorite partnerships that you've had over the last few years? Yeah, I think actually some of the best partnerships I've had are are not food related. Like they're companies that are coming to me. I worked with an airline company to go do all this incredible content in South America. And I would travel all around the country, the different various countries, and then bring that back on the blog and talk about it. I work with Capital One pretty much every year on like dining out and cook like cooking for your friends and family and entertaining and how to use the credit card. So I think those are two of my favorite partnerships to date. And then of course, I work with all sorts of food and beverage companies that 
I'm super selective about now, as I'm sure you are. And I get to develop recipes with their products. And they're all things I would use normally. Like I don't take any brands on that I wouldn't use. Like uh, I was just approached by... like. I, I hate yellow mustard. It terrifies okay. me. Like yeah. when, when I was offered a huge campaign, I was like, I think my audience will know I'm selling out. Like I can't take this. Yeah. But yeah, that those are some... I love what I get to do because I get to be creative with other people's products and get paid to do it and see the recipes being made in other people's kitchens. So it gives me all the joy to be able to work with those kinds of brands. Yeah. I think definitely the flexibility with brands that aren't food related too. Just we all have credit cards. <laughs> like We all yeah. like to travel. Like, How are you bringing... Especially now, like, how are you bringing those international flavors into your home? Because you're stuck at home, you know? Yeah, it's, seriously. It's crazy. So how did your day-to-day change after you stopped chefing for Jess and really got into the business side of blogging and creating? And how have you like elevated your brand? Because obviously, you were taking pictures with your own little camera and a flash. And I mean, I look back on my first Instagram post and I'm like, what was that filter? Did I know like yeah. a border? What was I doing? You know? We slapped filters on everything back in the day. Um, yeah. yeah. So when I went full-time with What's Gotta Be Cooking, I made a couple very conscious decisions. One, I hired someone to help me create what the What's Gotta Be brand was going to be. It was She's basically my mentor. But I word vomited to her for days on end about what I wanted What's Gotta Be Cooking to stand for. And she went back and did her work and then came back and she's like, oh, well, this is very obvious. You're the California girl. Like nothing is unapproachable or, you know, everything's attainable. And I was like, well, duh. Of course, I'm the California girl. She's like, no, that's your brand. And I was like, oh, light bulb moment. And so then I had that like touchstone piece to come back to for every piece of content I put out. So that was a huge uh, change. Like that was a game changer for me in terms of what's copy cooking. The other thing I did a little bit later on because I couldn't afford it at the time, but I invested in two of my best friends, Matt and Adam. Matt's a photographer. Adam's a food stylist. They're married. And I just inserted myself into their relationship and they started shooting all the all the visual assets for my brand. And that's been huge to be able to work with two people who are at the top of their game and so creative as far as you know, food, food you eat with your eyes first. So you got to have pretty pictures. Oh, and your pictures, I literally want to crawl through my phone and eat your food. So are you... like? How has that evolved? Because for me personally, when I think about how I started even sharing food content, it was me cooking in my kitchen for 12 hours and having a photographer there and like me styling it on my kitchen table, her taking shots... And like sometimes things not working out or burning or like whatever. Yeah. And then like getting all that content in a Dropbox and trying to figure it out. Like... How has your relationship with them evolved? And how early did you start making that investment? Sure. So at first, before I started using them, I did it all myself. So I would cook like three to four recipes a day. I would cook one, shoot it, cook another, shoot it, blah, 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 blah. And if you're doing that in the winter, you only have a certain amount of daylight for (sighs) it to work. So the winter months were brutal. Um, And so, so then it shifted to when I started working with them. What we do... I recipe test everything a couple times in my kitchen. We compile everything in a Word doc file. I send it to them. Adam has a team of assistants who grocery shop, get all the food, and then bring it to the studio day of the shoot. And then um, 
they prep everything. Adam styles it. Matt shoots it. We have a prop stylist there. I'm, I, I mean, this is not right now during quarantine. They haven't let me come to a photo shoot in a minute. But I used to be there just as like creative director and be like, no, nah, I don't like that napkin. Or I want the fish to be like flaky, not whole or whatever it is. But now with quarantine, Matt and Adam no longer have assistants or prop stylists or anyone coming over. So now we just do like this. We I zoom into their photo shoots because they're still able to shoot everything because they're married. And I'm just like, I'm a little bit more lax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, we're creating content. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And like we've got, we've got visual assets. And so after the shoots are over, Matt edits everything, whatever he needs to do. And then I get a link with everything. Um, and then I can put every, I can put all the recipes into a content calendar. So like we just shot last week. So we have everything shot for the next four weeks and then we'll do it again in a couple weeks. That's amazing. What content, what, what are some tools like a content calendar and like things like that, that you find really helpful in your business? Yeah. So I use uh, my iCal for my editorial calendar. I have it like I use my Google calendar for my personal life, but I use iCal just for the editorial calendar and it's shared with everyone on my team. So my husband who works with me full-time, Matt and Adam, uh, my social media assistant who helps me schedule stuff out on Facebook and Twitter. And so they all have access to know what's going up when. That's a huge help for me. I also have an obsessive organizing system of all my images in Dropbox. And I organize things by month within the year. So that way, if I'm trying to find an image April 2017, I can go back and quickly find it. So I've created that archive for myself. So it keeps all my assets clean. But those are my two favorite things for keeping my business running. My husband, since he came on full-time about a year ago, has insisted that we start using Slack. Yeah. I'm not into it. (laughs) (laughs) I was not into it either. But now that I have a team member and like my podcast production is on Slack, I've actually found it to be like so much easier than email. But it takes there's a it takes a, a minute. I mean, email, email is nice. I just yell across the house. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I need this. And he's like, no, <laughs> yeah. you have to put it in Slack. <laughs> oh my God. You guys are hysterical. You are actually so cute and so funny together online, especially when he's like taking you live. He's like, okay, you're live. <laughs> he, Thomas is really, I mean, he's really living his best life. He started What's Thomas Eating and it is just like hysterical. He's He's driving. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I love that. Is yeah. it a full blog or just an Instagram? No, it's just an Instagram dedicated to making fun of me. So he just takes pictures of me at my worst moments and posts <laughs> them. And honestly, he gets better engagement than I do sometimes. And it's pretty funny. <laughs> I am going to go follow right now. That's amazing. <sighs> oh, wow. Well, you built this whole amazing brand online. And then you have three cookbooks now. But I'm always so interested. And it's a question that I think a lot of people out there just like don't even know how it goes for people. How did you get your first book deal? And and was it you driving the boat or did someone approach you? Yeah. So the first book deal came out of a meeting. We were at a happy hour. I was actually with Matt and Adam in New York. And we were meeting with... This was like 10 years ago. There were people there from the Food Network because that's what I want. I like all I wanted in life was to be on the Food Network. Um, there were a couple editors there and agents and all that kind of stuff. And I was sitting next to an editor and I was like, so, you know, like Pioneer Women's coming out with all these cookbooks and Smitten Kitchens crushing it. What's next? And he's like, well, I'm trying to figure out who the next group of people are going to be. He's like, what would you write a book about if you wrote a book? And I very 
dumb at the time was like, oh, I'd write a book about avocados. What? Like, because at the time in, on the tw- in the Twitter world, because that's what was cool back then, everyone knew I was obsessed with avocados. Like I was a girl from California who had an avocado a day. And he was like, oh, interesting. And then we carried on with our dinner. And a week later, he was like, I talked it over in a team meeting. And I think we'd like to buy that book. You should get yourself an agent. So that part, I remember vividly sitting right outside of Rockefeller Center, calling my mom being like, I have to get an agent. This is so cool. And um, I found myself an agent through an organization called IACP, International Association of Culinary Professionals, which is a great kind of dated resource for people who are trying to get into the food world, but they had a roster of agents and I emailed a bunch of, a bunch of them. Um, this one woman, Janice, I emailed and she was like, no, you're not ready for me. And I was like, shit. Okay. And so then <laughs> I, I found, I found another agent and she repped me and we signed the first book deal. Who published your first book? It was from, uh, Houghton Mifflin. Okay. And, um, and it was something else before then they merged. It doesn't matter who and Mifflin who published it. And it was, it was an incredible learning experience for me because I didn't know when we signed the contract to ask for creative control or like what the cover, I didn't get final say on the cover. I didn't get any of that. I just had to write 75 recipes and supply 40 images. I also didn't realize that I wanted an image for every recipe And I didn't get like, they weren't going to give me that many pages. So the whole thing was very educational experience for me. And I'm so proud of the book. Like it's an, it was, it was my first foray into like an adult world, which was very cool. But then the second book, which came many, many years later, I I had never, I never intended on doing another book because like avocado book sold fine, but it was not like amazing. And Janice the agent who wouldn't rep me all those years ago called me and she was like, I've been watching you. And I was like, Oh, cool. And she's like, I think, I think you're ready. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, I want to rep you. If you want to do another book, I think it's time. And so I switched to her and she changed my world as far as cookbook publishing goes, because she a, I gave her a proposal and she was like, this is absolute shit. You have to rewrite this. Like, I want you to try harder, which I had never been pushed to do with my first publishing deal. And I spent hours and thousands of dollars writing this proposal. And that's what brought the second book out. And the second and third book have been so much more successful than the first book. And I think it's because I have someone in my corner who's going to push me to make the best possible product I can make. Yeah, it's so I think think it's so important not only are they pushing you but they're pushing back on your publishers and making demands for you for what you need. So obviously you learned a lot from the first book to the second book. What demands did you did you make that you absolutely had to have in the second two books? Yeah, so I wanted creative control. I wanted to hire an outside designer. A lot of publishing houses, I didn't know this, do all the in-house design at in-house and I wanted I felt very strongly we hired an outside designer who was going to capture my essence. Um, So that was part of it. I wanted cover approval. I wanted Matt and Adam to shoot it. It was not negotiable. And then I wanted a recipe and an an image for every recipe. So when, when when we went out for the second book deal, it went to auction. And what auction is, is for everyone listening, you have phone calls with all these different editors for 
a week or two weeks leading up. And then you go to auction on a certain day and you literally have to be glued to your computer because you're going to get offers from all these different publishers over the course of 24 hours. And you have to make your decision right then and there, which was terrifying to me. But um, I luckily went with the publisher who gave me the most creative control and the most money. And I loved my editor. So it ended up really working out for me in book two and three. (laughs) So are you with the same publisher for two and three and the same editor? Yes. Same editor, same publisher. I love her. I mean, I, I've, she's told me this, that she doesn't let her clients text her. And I was very early on in our relationship. I'm like, that's not going to work for me. Like, I'm going to text you. Yeah. <laughs> We're so going to be friends. <laughs> who are you with and who is your rep or who is your editor? So my books are all published through Abrams and my editor, her name is Holly. Um, and she is just a powerhouse. Like she's the force we reckon with. She knows exactly what's going to work and sell and how to position things. She, and she like breathes my mind. She's a magician. Well, your books are beautiful. Um, the second two definitely stand Thank out <laughs> in regards to the way that they look and it feels very you. It's very on brand. So you that that creative control shows through. Um, so let's get into the nitty-gritty of of your most recent cookbook. Um, and you can tell everyone where they can find it, the name and the inspiration behind all of the recipes. Yeah, so it's called What's Gobby Cooking? Eat What You Want, 125 Recipes for Real Life. You can buy it pretty much everywhere books are sold. Um, you can order it online. It's at Williams Sonoma, all the things. Um, I feel like we're in this Williams Sonoma family now. So yeah. we're here, we're here for life. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean when when I was starting to have conversations with Williams Sonoma, it was always like, Well, well, Gabby does this, and this is what we've done with her, and like you're just <laughs> You're Queen Bee over there. I'm just, I'm, oh. really, I'm really excited just to follow in your footsteps for sure. No, you're forging your own path, but it's a really good family to be a part of. I love them dearly. Me too. Um, but so you can buy the book everywhere. And it's, I, I wrote it because I publish all these recipes on Instagram and my blog, and you see me eating all these things that people are like, but you don't really eat that, do you? Like you're, you, you're fit. And I'm like, yeah, I do but I work out a lot and I don't eat all of it. And if I'm posting a cheese board, like, yeah, I'm sharing that with 12 other people pre-quarantine. But like, I, I you know, like it, I, I believe in letting, like I, I did a podcast with my mom a couple weeks ago and we were talking about how I got this balanced thing and food. And she was like, well, it all started from when you were young. Like if you wanted a cookie, I allowed you to have a cookie or two or three but you also had to like go rollerblade around the street. Like you're, you were an active kid. So like, it's always been about balance for you. And I think that's carried over into my adult life. Yeah. I'd like to know a little bit more about your food philosophy because you are so balanced and you do eat what you love and what you want. And, mm-hmm. um, it like, what does day in the life of you look like and how do you keep that balance? Yeah. So I am definitely not perfect. And I like, for example, yesterday I did a segment on KTLA and I had four cookies for breakfast and then I felt like shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to have a salad for lunch and dinner because I need some greens in this body. Um, So my philosophy is for me, like if I deprive myself of anything, I know one day I'll just binge it. Like that's not, that's not going to work for me. So if I try and take 
cookies off the table and then I have to make cookies for someone's birthday, only half of them are going to get delivered because I will have eaten the other half. So for me, it's all about maintaining that balance, but doing it and listening to my body. I guess it's like intuitive eating at its core, like really listening to my body and seeing what I need and giving, giving myself that. And if I have a rough day and I want pasta for dinner, I'm allowed to do that. Like that's cool too. And I also work out like end up like a crazy person. <laughs> like as a crazy person, like once a day or sometimes more? No, like twice a day usually. This was before quarantine. Bef- like before quarantine, I would see a trainer three or four times a week. I'd go to Pilates three or four times a week and I would do a, like a, that climbing class. Have you ever done Rise Nation? Yeah. And I would do that or like go for a walk or a bike ride or whatever it is. Like I, I used to make my friends meet me at workout classes because I would rather do that than go drink a a latte or something like that. That's great. So I think that allows me because I'm working out so much and that's like my form of decompressing that allows me to be able to eat what I want. Yeah. I love it. And if that, if food is so integral in your happiness and your lifestyle and the balance that you've created for yourself and Thomas, then I think it's, it's a beautiful way to balance out. Thank you. you. you But it's so different for everyone, right though? Because like I'm one of these people that I, live to eat and my mother eats to live like the, she doesn't care she just puts healthy things in her body like she, she's not excited about some fancy restaurant or whatever like it's so different how people have different perspectives on food absolutely so speaking of you know being a food lover what are some of your favorite recipes in eat what you want and um what are like some of uh like the things that you make every single week Yeah. So my favorite recipes in the book, it's a weird one, but the eggplant in the side dish chapter is phenomenal. And that's weird to say, but I love the eggplant. It's so good. And I think eggplant gets a bad rap. Um, There's a cauliflower shawarma in there. That's amazing. And it has all these incredible flavors inspired by some of our travels done in an approachable way. Um, And then the... The Zuni chicken, we just did that last night. It's my take on the Zuni roast chicken salad. It's phenomenal. And it takes a minute to make, but it's really worth it. So those are my current faves from the book. And then things I make on a weekly basis. We've been getting a CSA. So we've been doing like every green that comes to me, kale, chard, literally everything. I've been sauteing it down with a ton of lemon, garlic, red pepper flakes, a splash of white wine and olive oil. And I've just been like shoveling it in my face. It's so delicious. Um, I make guacamole and salsa. (laughs) And we do a lot of like uh, salsa chicken. So it's basically just chicken thighs and salsa in an instant pot or a slow cooker. So I can shred it up and put it into like enchiladas or quesadillas or a bowl or something like that. Um, Those are kind of my go-tos. Oh, and I eat a lot of fish. I love barbecued salmon. Okay, we're gonna need to get whatever your favorite recipe on that is up on the in the show notes because yeah. I finally have a barbecue that is you know with this so and I'm like Chris doesn't like me to cook fish in the house because he's like it smells so disgusting. Smells. And Does like, he like fish though? I mean, he's we've been together since, since 2007, and he like came around in like 2014. <laughs> So I was like really chipping away there for a long time. Um, Dedication. Yeah. And it has to be like a specific way and like not made in his house. So, uh, (laughs) you know, there's a lot. 
I will send you all the recipes. Now that you have a barbecue, I like to just take a whole fillet, like a whole side of salmon, skin on, and put it on a sheet of tin foil or on a baking pan and just plop it on the grill with tons of seasonings. You could use your new seasonings at Williams Sonoma, put it on there. And it's so easy and it goes on salmon or rice or whatever it is. Like I, it's my favorite. What's the time on that? What would you say? I think if you have your heat onto like medium high at 425, it's going to be done. Depends how thick your fish is, but like I would say 10 to 13 minutes. Like it's quick. Yeah. You could feed the whole fam very quickly. I love that. Those are the tips that we're looking for. So what are some of the things... You know, you said that you make your your salsa chicken. What are some things that you're keeping in your fridge that are available to you all the time? And what are your chef hacks? Yeah. So my the things that I live by are in my freezer, actually. I make basil vinaigrette and cilantro vinaigrette, which is just same recipe, but just imagine one with basil, one with cilantro, or you could mix the two. It's basil shallots, garlic, olive oil, red wine vinegar, and red pepper flakes. And you puree your baby, like baby food, basically. You make it into like a puree and then you can freeze it in ice cube trays. And then I like to put that on thawed, on chicken or fish or pasta or a grain bowl, <clears throat> anything like that. Um, I love that. I also love corn starting to come into season. So I'll like cut corn off the cob and char it in a broiler or on the grill and then freeze that. Um, I keep, I keep canned tomatoes in the pantry at all times. So if like I run out of salsa, like that's a problem if we run out of salsa in the house. So I like to be able to make a salsa and like chipotle, canned chipotles in adobo. Those go into my salsa. What else? Hmm. Those are my big food hacks. Like those, and and those were with me through being a private chef. Like I think it's so important to have those sauces on hand. So if all of a sudden you have a dinner party for 20 people to cook for, you could just broil a side of salmon and add that kind of sauce and you look still like a rock star. Totally. I love that you're saving your dressings and ice cube trays because I think a lot of times people will buy a bottle dressing they don't know how to make dressing or they make the dressing and then they're like, how long does this last in my fridge? You made this two days ago. Don't I get rid of it? You know, um, having like just a way to save things is super important. And can you tell your, can you say the hack that you use for shredding your chicken? Oh yeah. Um, so I will cook chicken either in a slow cooker, Dutch oven, whatever it is, chicken thighs and salsa. And then you take it out and you let it slightly cool. And then you put it in a KitchenAid with a paddle attachment and turn it on for like 30 seconds and it shreds the chicken so beautifully. There's none of that fork nonsense. Like it's so good. And that freezes really well too. Like you could freeze that in small little snapware containers with those little like glass container things and then take them out in the night before you want to use them. Let them, let them thaw in the fridge. So a little bit back to your your food life. Have you ever had any like food allergies or anything that has like come up for you and kind of interrupted your ability to eat what you want? Um, I actually had, yes, it was never tested, but there was a moment where I was obsessed with this one, probably not FDA approved protein powder. And it was more of like a cleansing thing and it made my throat close up. And I was like, Oh, that's bad. And I couldn't, for you. 
couldn't figure out for the longest time why I kept having trouble swallowing. And this is back in like 2013 or something. And finally, my mom was like, I think you should stop taking that supplement stuff you're taking. Like you're clearly allergic to something in it. And then when I looked at the label, I was like, oh, there's so much in this. I'll never... I'll never be able to find what is what's causing this. So I just stopped doing it and haven't had an issue since. Um, but no, I don't have any other food allergies or anything like that. I feel very fortunate. But it's so interesting to me about the food allergies. Like I want to do a deep dive into that one day because they're so prevalent in today's society. And I'm curious, like my sister has a massive dairy allergy and I'm like, why, do, why don't I? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I it, it is really interesting. It's also... it. It has so much to do with everything that you're eating and your gut microbiome and like what else is happening in your life. And you feel like, yeah. I mean, you seem like such an even keeled type of a happy-go-lucky person that I think probably keeps her stress in check. Yeah. Um, I may be wrong, but that's, I how you, that's how you come <laughs> off. So I think there's a lot of lifestyle factors that can really play a role in there too. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Which is interesting. Um, yeah. So and you I like it. of your own food. I like it when you nerd out and say big words like whatever you just said. I couldn't pretend to repeat it. Micro, whatever. Like microbiome. I just want to listen to you talk all day. No, No, it's just it's just really. I don't know. It's it's it. It's a whole science in itself, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it's really nice that you don't, and um, and it's really nice that you're in your kitchen making meals. Do you make the majority of your meals, um, for your you and your husband, or are you like? Yeah, we we. But barely order in. We used to go out to eat a lot before quarantine. We would go out like once or twice a week with friends. Um, but we cook the the. We would I say we cook eighty five percent of our meals at home, or like you know something that came from the farmers market. Like I'll use some bread from a cool you know maker here in LA and slap some avocado on it, and that's dinner. Like, which is yes, I'm making that for myself, but I also t- I didn't make the bread from scratch. Yeah. So, so what are some of your favorite ways to source your proteins and your veggies? And, um, you know, like I think you're, you're a super chef. So thank you. How can we, Uh, how can we all learn from you? So I love the farmer's markets. We're so fortunate to have like the Santa Monica farmer's market on Wednesdays here in LA, the Hollywood one on Sundays. I used to go to Brentwood on Sundays all the time. Um, the farmer's market life is a little different in today's world, but I have faith that one day we will be back there and seeing all of our friends instead of waiting in line to enter. Um, so I love doing that. Right now, we've been ordering produce boxes from County Harvest or County Line. Um, and I get those picked up at Neighborhood, which is a local coffee shop, one of my girlfriend's owns. And um, I just started... It, we, so that's vegetable CSA. They started doing fruit this week. There's a watermelon in it. I was so pumped. Um, but I just learned about this seafood CSA out of Alaska. And it's called Sitka Seafood, I think. And once a month, they deliver like freeze dried to your door, the fish that they, that they went and caught that week. And they do everything from like halibut and cod and salmon and coho and copper river and all these things. And I'm just so excited about it. So I do that, um, for my fish. We don't eat a lot of red meat in our house. Like I cook it maybe twice a year for Thomas's birthday. And like when I make a lasagna, um, unless I'm recipe testing and chicken, I get from Whole Foods. Great. That's awesome. So you say you like majority of the time you're using like the farmer's market or CSAs or something like that. And then you're just like popping into Whole Foods for the rest of what you need. 
I try to. I also just feel like supporting all the local farmers right now is so important because their restaurant business has been cut. So I would rather support them with my money than the big stores. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. We'll get a link to that, um, to your CSA boxes for both your seafood and your produce. I think that that's awesome. Yeah. So, so other than the podcast that just launched and your collaboration with William, William Sonoma and your new cookbook, I mean, I would say that that's a lot. <laughs> but what's next for you? Like, what do you envision for your brand? Um, and what are you excited to share next? We just moved, like, literally the first week of quarantine. So we're just getting situated in our house, which is very exciting. We're going to renovate the kitchen, which I actually think will be a really cool addition to what's got to be cooking online. Um, and then who knows? My publisher asked me what I was going to do for my fourth book, and I told them. I'm going to take a nap for the month of June. Let's talk in July. Yeah. So maybe we'll do another book. I would love to do a show of some sort. And we're working on trying to start a family. So we're, you know, very, very minimal things happening over here. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You got to do it all. It's sometimes it, when it rains, it pours and it all happens at the same time. So fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Prayers up. I'm yeah. so happy for you. And I'm so... I'm loving your new book. And yes, you mentioned the eggplant. I made it. It is like... Oh, good. It is. It's candy. It's weird to say that, but it's so good. It's It's the lemon. I think it's the lemon in it. so good. (laughs) Awesome. We always end every podcast the same way. And that is with the question, what does body love mean to you? Ooh, I love that question. I think body love to me... Like my body allows me to do everything I want it to do. And I love it because of that. I can go swimming. I can play tennis. I can go for a walk. I am not the skinniest person on the planet, but that's cool because I'm happy. And that's what it means to me. That's beautiful. I love that. You just get to like explore your life and make all the food and move your body. And that's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Bobby, you're the best. Where can people follow along? You're the best. Um, I'm on Instagram at What's Gobby Cooking, and my website is What's Gobby Cooking.com. All right. We'll have links to your cookbooks, your Williams Sonoma spices, and all your salsas and all that good stuff, your podcast. We'll put everything in there. We'll try to share those really awesome tips like the KitchenAid paddle. So many shredder. <laughs> when, the, when the world opens back up, we should have a seasoning spice. Fiesta at the Williams Sonoma. Like, I would love that. I don't know what, maybe South Coast Plaza. It's kind of the best one. <laughs> yeah, that one's really fun. Thank you for listening to Be Well by Kelly. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at bewellbykelly.com and follow me on Instagram at bewellbykelly. I would love if you picked up my books, Body Love and Body Love Every Day. They're sold on Amazon and at all major booksellers. 